Welcome to the Building Doctor Show with Jens Johansson. Welcome to the Building Doctor Show. I am your host, Jens Johansson, and I am glad to see you here to learn more about your buildings. This is our monthly free webinar where we want to share information and resources for you to keep your buildings in good condition and therefore maximum value and also keep your community happy and not fighting with one another about various issues. Everybody knows your home can get emotional and we want to help you navigate that. Today's show, we're going to talk about plumbing. It's going to be drinking water and it's going to be the other end of what us humans do, getting the waste out of there. So we're going to talk about supply and repiping, supply and, and drains, but the repiping process for a multifamily project. We've done a bunch of those lately, and I think the first one or two, like any rookie season, they were kind of a struggle. But we have developed a proven process for repairing and replacing failing plumbing systems. And today we're going to walk you through that proven process. So our guest today is Jared Trenchard. He's uh, one of our senior project managers here at J2 Building Consultants. Jared's worked in the construction industry for over 25 years with an eye on the building envelope and recently on plumbing repipe projects. He's become the in-house specialist on this. And one of the things that makes him great is he has a very good bedside manner, meaning can communicate well with clients and make them comfortable and at ease. And uh, he is specially trained to manage these types of projects and uh, to help you through that. So welcome, Jared. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Jens, thanks. Um, you mentioning the 25 years of experience just gave me a kind of a like, wow, I've been doing this for a while. I'm having a little baby midlife crisis right now. So <laughs> ignore, well, ignore that and work through it. Um, it's, <laughs> it's nothing compared to what you guys are going to get into. If you've got plumbing issues in your buildings, I know it can be very overwhelming. If you would have told me even 10 years ago, that I would be doing repiping projects like this. I would have said a lot of inappropriate things and pretty much <laughs> you're crazy, but here we are. I look forward to helping you guys, you know, with, with this webinar and getting through this and explain the information to you and, and we'll be able to follow up afterwards. You'll have my contact information. So once this is completed, if you need to reach out, absolutely, please do because- get up. We'll get all that covered. And as you guys can tell, this is this, he's a smooth, he's a smooth presenter, but this is how many webinars have you done, Jared? This is my first webinar. So I'm probably going to ramble. My hands are going to, what do I do with my hands kind of stuff? I mean, over the past few years, we've gotten used to online meetings and everything like that, but I'm horrible at public speaking, but this is, yeah, we'll get through it. We'll help you through it. Perfect. Okay, so let's see. Let's get on to the preamble here. Today's show is sponsored by J2 Building Consultants. We're a great group of uh, engineers, designers, and project managers that help diagnose, prescribe, and treat sick buildings. So just like a doctor, we diagnose the problem, prescribe the right plan, and then help you treat the problem by overseeing contractors to make sure they put it back together correctly again. You can find J2 in Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon, and Salt Lake City, Utah, and the surrounding states. And find us on the web at j2consultants.com. So now that you know who we are, we're going to run a little poll so we can help uh, understand or maybe tailor some of our answers to 
who is here on the call with us today. We see 27 people attending live. That's great. So what you're going to do is you're going to fill it out. You're going to tell us if you're board members or community managers, attorneys, and what, and it'll help us answer some of these questions. So while that's running, uh, let's see, the format of the show is webinar-based, so we can share pictures. Today is going to be a lot of pictures, and you'll see me reading some notes because I want my mouse. You can probably see the mouse, but I've also got a fancy disappearing pen, but we're going to be pointing at things, talking about leaks, talking about different colors of pipes. And so this format allows us to share lots of pictures and, and walk you through that. And it gives us an hour, it gives us an hour to spend on this topic. And we do our best to stay on that hour, but uh, it's, it's the next level up from our social channels that, as you know, are one minute videos or little quick things, but uh, you can find us at all the social places, search J2 Consultants. Uh, be sure to check out our YouTube library. So poll thing in the poll, share the results. Got a lot of people in Washington and Oregon, lots of managers, lots of board members, and there's people that are curious, so that's good. So community managers are sending this out. People are reading the newsletter. That's great. Have you been through a repair project before? Yes, a big one. 63% of you have been through a repair project. So this is going to be a little different. This is a repair project, but it is a internal. So on the exterior, when we strip and reclad the siding, you're kind of left alone on the inside. Maybe there's a little bit of window work, but uh, with the plumbing work, it's a lot more intimate, if you will. We're going to be coming into your bathroom. We're going to be doing all these things that, you know, people invite guests over to their kitchen all the time and you hang out. But do you really go in their bathroom that much? Today, we're going to be fixing your bathroom. So today, the uh, webinar's disclaimers, two things. The show is free, so put away your credit card. Second thing is we are not giving you financial, legal, or engineering advice, and I'm not a medical doctor. Jared and I are just two guys on the internet trying to help you run your building better, and we've helped thousands do that. So we've seen what's worked and what didn't when it comes to restoring condos, and especially now this plumbing retrofit. So if you wanna see my experience, uh, Brooke, the producer will put my CV into the chat. Uh, and the Q&A is where you put your questions. And so the chat feature, let Brooke uh, answer some of those things and she'll be posting things throughout. So today is episode number eight, October. We are two months away. October 25th, two months away from Christmas, but this is Halloween week. Jared, Halloween's a big uh, big party for you. What are you going to be doing this Halloween? Uh-oh, we've, we've got a costume reveal. <laughs> Going in as a minion. Going in as a minion. We, we've got trunk or treat this week in Muckleteo here in town where our office is located. Um, there's a couple of us in the office. We're going to dress up like minions and hand out candy to a bunch of kids. Try not to eat it before we hand it out. So that'll be the challenge Thursday afternoon. So right. there we go. But yeah, I look forward to this. Fantastic. Okay. So this month we, we, took a, we took an assemblage of lots of questions, but we got two very specific pointed questions from two board members and we're gonna we're gonna walk you through that. 
Um, they have they have ongoing issues. They're compound questions. Uh, they're talking about symptoms and problems and things like that. We'll get to we'll get to those when we read them. But uh, fair warning: we're talking about what you drink and what your pipes look like. We have video footage of going inside your pipes, and you might not want to see some of that. So if you've got a squeamish stomach, just kind of you know stay pay pay attention. You might want to look away. We've got toilets and unidentified sludge and, and uh, yeah, you've been warned. Okay, so this is also the last day. We've been running a 10% off proposal discount. Uh, check it out. It's on the, the sign-in page and you can get 10% off your proposals now through the end of the day. So it's in your, and we'll, we'll talk about where it's at, but uh, be on the lookout for that. And then... Please stick around for the live Q&A at the end. This show format allows a live question and answer. So we're going to read a couple of questions that, that we've gotten this month about this issue and bring in all the things we know about plumbing that are pain points. And uh, we, we, we can help you with that. So don't forget to stay tuned for the raffle giveaway. We've got some Halloween-y oriented things. We've got a skeleton. We've got full-size candy bars. And, you know, when... It's all over. We've got a toothbrush. So uh, use the Q&A tab. You got specific questions, put them down and we'll get to them. Okay, enough with reading notes. Let's get to the show. All right, it's over here. Okay, here's, here's the big question from the HOA president. Our building was constructed in 1988. We've been experiencing lots of leaks. From what we're being told, these are pinhole leaks. We've had both plumbers and electricians come out. Uh, they're saying it's an ungrounded issue. So these leaks have been going on for the five years I've lived here. Uh, but this is the first time we're finding out about this grounding issue. Uh, what to do? Nobody wants an assessment, but this is a big problem. The lower units are hit hard. Of course, water flows downhill. What they mean by that is the third floor has a plumbing leak. Well, that affects the second and third or first floor. And so a sad comment here, most people are just keeping their drywall unrepaired because of the high likelihood of another leak. Wow, living in just kind of a remodel zone. So is the best route always to do full replacement? What are some other alternatives? We'll talk about that. It's overwhelming. Yes, uh, we are going to get to the bottom of you don't have to replace all your vanities, shower surrounds and all that stuff. And so stay tuned. We'll get to that one. And Jared, nod for me. Can you see my mouse moving around on the screen? Perfect. So I don't have to use that little, that little pencil. So the second question, what's the best way to do a system test of plumbing for each of the buildings in our complex? We have 95 units. So we're, we're, we've got a quick, quick way for you to do tests on that. So the rest of this stuff is about plumbing. And so we're going to start with what does your plumbing look like, both supply and drain? And then we're going to get into what are symptoms of a failing plumbing system. And this is something that you can, you know, look at if you see leaks and drips and rust and all that stuff. We'll go through some pictures of that. What does a plumbing job entail? How invasive is it? And you saw in that first question, do, does everybody have to move out? Does, I mean, what in the world? So floor plans, wet walls, that's our, that's the terminology for uh, plumbing within a wall. It's called a wet wall. And so can we, can we approach it from the interior and the exterior? Maybe there's hallways. And so we'll figure that out for you. That's what we do. We go in and sort out what areas are going to be affected. 
what rooms you have to, you know, maybe move things away from a wall or what rooms have to be plasticated and, and you know, set aside from. So plastication, that's, that's a term, that's a, that's a specific technical term. It's how we maintain the dust control, uh, keep everything contained, not make a big mess, et cetera. So then new and old pipes, do we have to tear out all the old pipes? Can we reuse some of these pipes, that pipes? You know, we'll talk about that. Uh, scheduling and communication process. This is a big piece. We're not just working on the outside and, uh, you know, that's what an outside job, uh, siding job is or roofing job. But we're coming into your unit, we're knocking on the door and we're, we're opening things up and we're painting and plumbing and doing all those things. So how invasive is it? If you have abatement, that's asbestos, think popcorn ceilings and things like that in older, older units. Uh, and we'll go through all those. Benefits of having one contractor to be able to do this. And you know, a general can get a bunch of subs, but does the general have control of those subs to really be following each other in and out, in and out, and uh, doing, doing a good job of that. Uh, and then some other examples of some plumbing work. What is a side sewer? What, is, what are fire sprinklers? Scope and camera work. Uh, the plumbing lining concept that you've heard of. Uh, maybe, you know, can I just get these relined? It sounds, sounds wonderful. So we'll talk about all that. So put your questions in the Q&A panel and stick around for giveaways. There we go. Okay, here we get in. Here we go to school. You know, it's, it's school is back in session. But we wanted to talk about what types of supply lines you have and what do they look like. So the mid 90s used a lot of or early 90s used a lot of what's called CPVC. And so some of the brands are called Gold Bond or Yellow Line or Jared, what's another brand? Or, it was, I think Flowmaster was one of them out there. There's a few different brands Flowmaster. and they do still use it in some buildings. Yeah, okay. So PVC is more for sprinkler systems, but we'll see that on buildings as well. PEX is the new, new thing in town. And it's, it's actually on generation two or three, the first generations uh, had some issues, but this next generation of fittings and sealing those fittings, those are over here, uh, are working a lot better. Galvanized steel is what we're replacing. And so we use that in supply lines, but also waste lines. Uh, it, it has about a 50-year lifespan. So you guys can do that math on your buildings. Um, and it just depends if you have hard water, light water, grounding issues, you know, things, things, things like that. But uh, galvanized pipes tend to block up and rust shut. So rigid copper, that's your, that's, that's what people think of when they think of copper plumbing. Uh, those are solid 10 foot sticks and you have to get a torch and weld them or, you know, uh, solder them. And so we're moving away from torches that burn down buildings and using more of a flexible PEX tubing. The flexible copper, that's, that's refrigerator, ice maker lines, things like that. So you can see over in the example here, your PEX comes in red and blue for hot and cold uh, or a white or a clear. Uh, we like to use white or clear and literally we can take a hefty marker or Sharpie and write on them. So you can see down in this picture, we would write cold and hot. So if someone else opens up the wall, they can see what's going on there. But you can see this shiny stuff, this is copper. We're, we like to use copper fittings at or copper pipe at your fitting and knob and 
shower head locations. It gives it gives the it gives the uh, pipes more stability. So when you go to change that shower head, you don't break the plastic or bend it. Here's the old CPVC that that uh, got too brittle, and we're just leaving it in place. We're abandoning it. Um, here's what you'd see under a sink. Here's your little flexi shutoff valves from a from a sink. Is your drain. Uh, but you can see one advantage of the PEX is it's, it's flexible. So we can bend it, we can snake it. It works really well for fishing into little holes on a repipe. Uh, okay, so drains. Now, this the drain material is uh, PVC plumbing, and you can see it's hooked up to the old uh, cast iron that's gone through there. Here's another piece of cast iron, but all this is new drain piping. And so you can see another example of it. Here's your new drain piping. Here's your red and blue pecs. And so this is a crawl space. And so as you can see, we can run things under the crawl space very easily. Uh, there's not too much in the way. We're not digging holes and digging ditches. Here, here's an example of uh, a copper drain system. And so back in the 50s, the copper drains were a, that was an upgrade. If you want a really nice drainage system, you got a copper drainage system, wouldn't rust and corrode shut like the cast or the galvanized. Um, but today's day and age with copper being a popular use in electronics uh, and just pricing of it, it, it gets too expensive. So this project, you'd be recycling all that copper and taking it, taking it back in, back to the recycler. Uh, but here you can see new new copper plumbing, new uh, PEX, PEX runs here. And so, but we have to carefully go through the plates, go through the framing, as opposed to kind of snaking it around with, with uh, the PEX. So, so now we're going to give you a side profile. And there's one other piece of uh, drain pipe we see. It's called ABS. It's black plastic. It's a good, it's a good product. Uh, you can get in some other kinds of pipe here. Cast iron is another one that's that's uh, in the commercial application. Maybe it's buried, but here is a cross section of a typical house. You've got basement or you know some kind of yeah, it's a basement. You got your laundry in the basement, water heaters. You can see your red and blue, your hot and cold lines, uh, your hot lines to your sink and your utilities and your tub, but only a cold line to the toilet. So, you know, things are, things are thought out how they go, where they go. And then the drain lines are in green. And so this is under the building. So if we're trying to get into there, you can, as you can imagine, we've got to dig a hole and we'll, we'll talk about that. But when we go from the outside of the building to the street, that's called a side sewer. And we'll get into that. But the other part of a drain system is the venting system. And so that yellow area is the vent, the vent portion of this of the drain system. So venting, think of it like if you're old enough, you'll remember those cans of juice where you'd have to take the can popper and pop one side and pop the other side. Or you, if you fold the, if you've uh, filled up the lawnmower with a gas can and it has that little knob, you unscrew and it, it allows the flow to happen faster. Or if you're still in college and you're shotgunning beers, you pop the top in it so you can you can drink it faster. That drain or the vent keeps the water from going glug, 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 glug down and allows it to flow. So your, your vent goes out the roof and sometimes we'll deal with new roofing pieces there. 
So symptoms of failing plumbing. Um, some, are, some are visual, some are uh, in the wall. And so this is not a coffee dispenser. This is not a Starbucks sink that they're coming out with. This is actual brown, rusty water coming out of somebody's sink. And here's what your stains on your sink look like. And here's the scrubbers. They've obviously been trying to clean it off, but the rust is staining the porcelain sink. Uh, if you have all these in your, typically your lower, your downstairs units or your first floor units, because again, water and rust are flowing downhill. But um, look for stains. And then that CPVC stuff tends to get brittle and tends to break. So you can see this shatter, it just bursts. And that's, that's what, that's what water floods out and causes problems. Uh, when you, other symptoms, you're looking under sinks and you see, uh, you see the sink vanity all destroyed. You can tell that's been leaking in the past. If you see a bucket under a P-trap, that's probably a pretty good indication that there's a water leak there. Um, here's a toilet with just buckled flooring around it and even soaking up into the drywall behind it. And, um, you know, this is likely a leaking toilet flange. Here's some of that brown staining and shower surrounds again. Um, you know, just yuck, 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 yuck. So any other kind of signs of failure, Jared? Um, you know, it, temperature control, if it takes a long, if, it, if you're in your shower and it takes a while for either warm or hot water or warm or cold water to arrive, mm -hmm. you know, that could be a, that's a sign. Um, obviously any leaks, the staining, yeah, the you know, pressure, pressure, even yeah. pressure, low pressure is, a, is another one. Yep. Here's another third. If you have a, if you have a basement, you know, utility room, uh, you can see the old cast iron uh, plumbing. Maybe there's been some patches. And so you got a combination of things. Uh, it looks like you got some supply lines coming out from below grade. Uh, there's just a whole bunch of things going on, but take a close look where the leaks and rust happen are at your fittings. And it's not necessarily because your fittings are leaking, but it's the threading process. So we, we cut the pipe and then we put it into a threader and that threader actually digs holes or you know digs grooves in the steel. And so that threaded portion is the thinnest part of the pipe wall. And so this is why we start seeing uh, that portion fail first. So if you have if you have an area where you can get into there and see what's going on, uh, that's it's good to just take a visual. Okay, here's, yeah, plastic pipe connected to cast, no, galvanized, uh, you know, do your best and glue the rest. Uh, what, what does that look like? It's three flavors of glue and put some epoxy on it, you'll be fine. I don't know what they're doing here, but this looks like the same picture. It's just the ooze is dripping off and, yeah, yuck. Okay. Um, you know, this is behind a bath tub. The tub has been pulled. We can see the water damage in there. Here's the old piping that was in there. We have replaced it with new copper and new, new uh, PEX. Uh, there's some there's some ABS, that black ABS for some drain lines, but you'll see inside there we've got some water damage framing too. Um this wall down, or this is actually a ceiling. We're in a basement looking up. You can see the ceiling is all wet around a plumbing, you know, pipe, et cetera. 
And some of the stuff doesn't even look hooked up. But anyway, these are all symptoms. Now, here's what you're drinking. This is a cross-section of a piece of galvanized water supply pipe. This was the bigger pipe that was servicing the building. And so all of the residents, all of the spigots, your water was gurgling over brown crystals and picking up all sorts of flavor. So that iced tea that you thought you're getting from the tap is not really iced tea. So you can see how the pipe is just, it's working its way towards closing permanently. It's a small little hole. There was a big diameter of pipe. Um, this is what you're drinking. Always use a water filter. Please filter your water. Okay, here's some drain lines. A uh, couple things we wanted to mention. So yeah, this is totally plugged. We don't have it. it. It's not coming up through a planter. We cut this out and we just put it there to take a picture of it. But you can see that is just plugged and plugged with gunk and hair and grease and junk. That's, ooh, I don't even want to know what that is. Drippy and yeah. So one of the things I want, want to talk about is this is your pipe wall. So here's the good you know, thickness of your pipe wall. So over on this one, you see how that pipe wall is rusting almost through ready to break. And then over here, it's, it's really reaching its point of almost rusting through. So this, this thus a plumbing repair project. But you, know, you can see again, the threaded portion of the pipe wall is thinner, whoops. And it, it, uh, the thin portion is the part that rusts the most. And then, you know, toilets are always the culprit. The back stuff is backing up, backing out of this toilet. This is not a hoarder's toilet. This is a recent uh, plumbing backup where everything's flooded. Your toilet bowl is one of the lowest things. It's typically lower than the side of the tub. But um, if it's going to come, come back up, it's coming up through your toilet and it makes a big mess. So I think we're done with the gross photos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So accessing for plumbing repairs. So units with a slab on grade or meaning on concrete or basement into the dirt versus with a crawl space. And so we talked about photos earlier with it's easy to run your pipes through this crawl space. Uh, that's not too hard to, to visualize. But then we come up through the walls and we can go in the floor, the ceiling. And if this were a bathroom, we would you know, service that area. Or we can even go all the way up over into the attic, come across and come back down. So there's, there's ways to sneak through a multi-story building that, that, that we can sneak our uh, plumbing and drains, typically in what's called a stack. And we'll talk to you about stacks. So it's 303, 203, 103. That stack has plumbing pipes and, and supply and drain lines in it. Where we have slab on grade or a basement, we have to think a little differently because we would dig down and try to come through the concrete or come all the way to the bottom and then come back out through the slab there. Uh, there's, you know, it's just extra things to think about. And so buildings with a crawl space are easier. Buildings with a slab requires a little bit more work. And Jared, from your experience in a three-story building, is it the first floor units that get hard hit the hardest or is it is it the second? It's so if there's if there's a crawl space, it's the second floor. If there's not a crawl space, if it's slab on grade, it's it's usually the first floor. 
And so what do you mean by the most work in? So the most work would be, we, we've got wall work to do in every unit, but only some units have work done in their ceilings. Gotcha. And, and we try to be, we, we try to minimize the amount of openings that we do in the unit. So when we come into these projects, every building's laid out differently. Their configurations are all different. So we need to get in there. We, we look at where the plumbing's at, and then we kind of make an assessment and figure out the quickest route with the least impact to unit owners. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about is here's here, we looked at a side view of a building. Now we're gonna look at a floor plan of a unit. And so we will go through and say, here's your bathrooms. Here's your wet, wet walls there. Uh, there's another bathroom over here. How do we get over here and there? And so we come up with a, with a detailed plan of blue are the ceiling areas where the ceiling's gonna get affected, yellow are wall areas. So in this, in this unit, we've, we're working in the kitchen around the sink. We will have a ceiling channel going over to here, and then it'll dog leg over to here, dog leg over to there to the bathroom. And then it'll, it'll take a corner there, it'll come into the laundry and it'll go to that bathroom. But that is the activity, plumbing activity or disturbance in that unit. So you can see living room stays, bedrooms pretty much stay. Uh, both bathrooms maybe have the ceiling pulled down, but in these back-to-back -back bathrooms, um, typically we can just work on one side of the wall and get to it. Sometimes there's a hallway or a bedroom bedroom wall where we can go that direction. Wow. And so it's cheaper going through the drywall of the bedroom than going through the tile of the shower surround. A lot, so, of, a lot of times we end up having a closet backed right up against the bathroom in, 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 in the unit. So right. ultimately that's the worst part because everybody has all their stuff in their closet and we're like, oh, hey, you don't have to move all this stuff. But then all of a sudden we ask them to empty their closet out and it's always like these big closets with everything in them. So that's, yeah, sorry. Side yep, no, that's, that's the truth here. So, but you can see not everybody has to move out. You know, your bedrooms are okay. Uh, in this one, your living room, a little bit of work in the living room, and we'll, we'll show some of those pictures. And so this helps every unit owner realize, hey, I got I to gotta pull down the, the uh, big piece of artwork that's on this wall. If there's any pounding, I don't want it falling down. But this stuff over here, I don't have to touch. And so it, it's, a, it's a great relief to people when they can see what's going on. And that's, that's part of our process to go through every unit and do this. So here's some examples of some wet walls. This would be that, that uh, wet bar that maybe is in a living room or dining room. Um, but here's, here's a hallway going to probably a living room. And you see we're working on the outside of the hallway side, or this, this one's a better one. So we're working <clears throat> on the hallway side of things. You can see the shower, uh, the shower head. Here's the old plumbing pipes. We just left them in place. Don't, don't even worry about taking them out. And it uh, looks like laundry facilities right there. And you still have your entry. This is what it looks like after hours. The plastic is put up during, during the day and then taken down at night. So when you arrive home at five o'clock, you might have a little bit of wall to look at, but the rest of your stuff is clean. It's where you left it and there's not dust all over everything. And so here's an example of that ceiling channel that ran, that runs, you know, down through this, through here. We can leave the light fixture in place. 
that's these ceiling channels I'm talking about. Just a just a groove to get, help us get the plumbing pipes in and, and take care of things. Here's an example of plastication during the day. You know, we've got that room all protected off. Looks like there's some painting going on. They're patching the ceiling. Here's that ceiling channel again. Uh, here's here's what we're doing a real good job of texturing everything, making it match. Uh, all of this will get repainted cor corner to corner, corner to corner. And if we went down on the walls, we'll paint that whole wall. Um, so you don't have just a touched up, funny looking ceiling joint or wall joint. Here's same, same recliner, same heater. Now this is in the evening, they can come back, you can sit down, you can watch the game, um, and, or the, you can talk to guys about leaving plastic just over that wall just to keep it, keep it plasticated. Um, but you'll have some floor runners maybe, we'll leave those down. But here's, here's again the repairs. We're in the process of remudding and taping and texturing and then painting this whole wall and ceiling if we got up into the ceiling. But uh, it also turns into a great time. Everybody wants to repaint anyway, right? Yeah, that's the thing. So the affected walls, we paint those, like you said, from floor to ceiling, corner to corner. But then you've got that nice, pretty brand new wall. And then everybody is like, well, yeah. And as you can see, if you paint the wall here on the right side that wasn't affected behind the chair, that's a long wall. That's a lot of painting. Right. So... So yeah. it turns into a good time to maybe do some updating as well, but yeah, and we we can make we can make the repairs blemish free. You'll never know we were there. So here's an example of plastication during the day. This is a kitchen. It's just all covered, uh, no no dust at the end of the day. Uh, here's here's just the walkways, but this is this is uh, your stuff is covered as well as zip walls we can we can do walls in the unit they have a zipper so the guys can walk through them and zip it back up and just a real good job one of one of the big things see these people even left their artwork up i mean one of the big things is dust free no paint no no debris no anything and you can live there and or you know we can we can help you work around that Okay, if we're not doing it from the inside, sometimes it's easier to do it from the outside. Here's, here's an example of this wet wall on these kitchens. It was a stack of kitchens and it was just easier to pull the siding off. So we pulled the siding and the uh, drywall and pulled the insulation out. And then we could do our, just in these three joist bays or stud bays, basically, we could do some new plumbing pipes. Uh, we could run up up to pick up all these units and and just deal with this little alcove area and then if we run into some water damaged areas uh, we can we can mitigate that we can clean that up replace that and we haven't touched the kitchen cabinets the kitchen backsplash the cabinets all you know just all that stuff just left it left it alone and so sometimes we'll have clients saying hey you know while you're doing your siding project why don't we talk about the plumbing project as well and get a little bit of a two for one. Um, I know it's more money, but but we're already in there anyway. Uh, we can clean that up. But you can see new PVC, new PEX, new copper at the fittings. Um, everything looks looks real good. What else would you add to that, Jared? That's we're just optimizing our use from getting outside, minimizing the impact on the unit owners. 
we understand throughout the process that this is horribly intrusive. And I always start my meetings with, yes, this really is going to kind of suck. Because like Jens was saying, we're in your most intimate space. We're in your bathroom. We're removing your toilet in your, not necessarily all showers, but yeah, we're, we're all up in your business. <laughs> and, and make it an easy for you. So Jared, talk about the process real briefly. Yeah, so the process when we go into these, the first thing we do is schedule a walkthrough so that way we can walk through the units, document all the existing conditions on, on what's there, where we've got the, we identify the wet walls, we identify where we're gonna need to do the work, we document that so that way we've got those finishes all listed out in, a, in the construction documents for bidding. And then at the same time, we're having uh, here an uh, environmental company taking um, samples of the walls that will be affected to determine if there's any uh, asbestos in the walls or not. And if it's if you have asbestos, then we're gonna have to do abatement. That kicks it into a little bit of a different conversation. We're gonna talk about that here in a little bit. But we do our HERA testing. We're just trying to minimize the impact on the unit owner. So we get in there, we do that, hit the testing, assemble the bid documents. We source the contractors that, can, are, that are able to do the work. And then we schedule a sampling of the units. It's usually at least one unit with each of the different types of floor plans because most buildings have got a couple different floor plans. So we like contractors to get as much physical viewing time in units as possible. Uh, we get the bids back from the contractors. Once we get the bids back, we put them in a bid matrix. We review those. That way the board can look at the numbers. They're comparing apples to apples. Um, we set up interviews with the contractors. That's with the board does the interview. J2 helps the board. We give you some questions to ask and kind of help you through that process. But we want you to get to meet these different contractors because they are in your most, they're, I, they're in your bathroom. They're in your bedroom to cut into that master bathroom. Um, they've come in and asked you to remove all the stuff out of your closet. So that's, you want to be comfortable with the contractors that are in there. So we help you through that process. You get a contractor selected. We get a contract written up. We schedule the work. We do a big kickoff meetings with the owners and we tell them how we're going to over communicate because that's what this all boils down to is a lot of communication because there are a lot of moving pieces, but we've Unfortunately, it's been the school of hard knocks, but we're pretty quick learners. So we were able to improve the improve the protocols and the systems a little bit better. And, and I think we've gotten pretty good at it. So, but we're always learning and always trying to improve as we're going. So we're monitoring all the work as it goes along. We maintain the flow of information. We are the we're the go-to people for all the unit owners. So that way the board is not getting hammered by questions. I always tell people that we're here to be the middleman. So that way the board, you live in the community with all your neighbors. We don't want neighbors getting upset with you to where it makes it you're uncomfortable going to your mailbox to get your mail or taking your dog out for a walk or anything. That's what J2 does. We're in the middle to help answer questions. And I always want to make sure that we're the ones answering the questions. So that way we make sure everybody's getting the correct information because it's a lot of information. And I'll be honest, I screw it up once in a while too, and then have to own it and go back and fix things. But we're always, we're always doing that. And then the final thing is, is we're reviewing, 
once everything's completed, like Jen said, we do the, the wall work. The restoration is from corner to corner, floor to ceiling. We make sure that the texture matches, the paint matches, the finish, the trim, everything is just right. And then the owner has the final, the unit owner has the final say before we leave that unit, that they accept the work the way that it should be done. So the finishes, you know, everything's inspected underneath the plumbing, the health department comes out and inspects the plumbing and everything like that. We're monitoring all that. But at the end of the day, it's the unit owner that's got the power to say if they approve or do not approve of, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. they have color codes for the paint they had and or we take samples and get samples matched. And once in a while, a sheen will get off, you know, where it's, you know, it was supposed to be flat or eggshell and ends up being semi-gloss or something like that. That does occasionally happen. So when we come across that, we get it, we get it fixed and get it right. And but yeah, that gives the owner the the the, the final say. So that yeah. way we make sure they're happy. What what would be another reason to document before work starts? So we, we go through, we do all the documentation, we're documenting all the walls that are affected. And in that process, we're also capturing surrounding walls and flooring. And, and that way, as the, as the construction project's going on, and also when the contractor gets in there, he documents everything also. But that way, in case later on in the project, an owner says, oh, you guys did this, or you, you damaged this, or you damaged that. We've been able to go, we've been able to go back and go, well, here's our initial photos and it shows that in this initial photo. So I'm not sure you must never have noticed it before, or we've had it to where we had photos and they're like, no, this happened. And we looked and there wasn't no damage and they did the damage and then they repaired it on walls yep. that shouldn't have been damaged. So that good documentation. Yeah. Good documentation helps, helps save the association money and, yep. and uh, it resolves questions pretty easily. A picture's worth a thousand words. A <laughs> picture is, yeah. So scheduling communication on the right side is an example of a, of a uh, communication thing we put out. Left side, we're just, we're, we're talking about, you know, notifications, unit entry and turning off key services are usually things that are talked about in your bylaws. So you have a 48 hour notice to enter, you have a 48 hour notice to turn off water and things like that. So there's a lot of these little, you know, milestones and, and things that we have to communicate about and post about and uh, do that. So kind of explaining that. Jared, do you have anything to add to that? You know, we do, a, a, before we do the actual physical work in the project, we do a project summary walk. And during that walk, we identify all the locations and create another document. That's this snippet on the right side was taken from that. Within that project summary, it's got all the areas that you need to clear out. Unfortunately, it's usually that master closet or part of it, and that sucks. But it also has all the key dates and a lot of the information in here. And it, it's talking about turning the water off. It's it's at minimum 48 hours notice. Usually we know that a week or two in advance when they're working on the units to when they're gonna do the switch over. So that way we give owners plenty of advance notice. Um, when the water's turned off, it's usually between the hours of 8.30 and four in the afternoon. The water is always on at night. Your bathrooms and kitchens and laundry rooms are always usable every night after four o'clock, 4.30. Yeah, how much How much extra work is that for the plumbers to, you know, stub up temporary fittings so that this person can turn their old plumbing back on and this person has new plumbing? 
Does that, does that add a lot to the cost or is it pretty insignificant? It's just a function of scheduling and it, getting it, the contract. At, it, at doing that, working in the occupied units adds time to the overall schedule. And that's what takes these projects a little bit longer because when they come in in the morning, they've got to put all that protection out, cover everything up, just like the Dexter show, get everything covered up. That Dexter reference, that's for Halloween, everybody. Get everything covered up. And then they can do the work and they have to plan the amount of work they can do in a day. So that way, by the end of the day, they can stop the work that they're doing and then take down all the protection and make sure that the unit's clean and it's usable. And that way, when you come home from work at four or five o'clock, if you need to take a shower, you can take a shower. You want to start cooking dinner. You can be in the kitchen cooking dinner and everything. So there is that added time. But this, they also do it in a way to where owners don't need to move out. The right. only time you'd need to be out is if there's abatement required. Okay. All right. If you think you know what Jared's talking about, give him a call. If you got questions about your plumbing, here's his phone number. Here's his email. Get your phone out. Take that QR code, just like the menu at the restaurant these days. Or if you just want to see him in his minion minion costume, you know, he can, I'm sure, put one on for you and take a picture. But uh, now, seriously, if you got any questions about plumbing and just wanted to have a 10-minute call with him, it's free. He can answer your questions and we can go from there. And I know it's a lot and, and, and there's a lot of different questions that you can have and there's no bad questions because this is a very, it's very intrusive and I come across things all the time that are kind of brand new items to address, but we've kind of got, you know, we're kind of getting, we're getting dialed into it and we've got, we've got solutions to a lot of the problems, but if you've you got, got questions, please reach out. Yeah. More than happy what is to the, what, talk you through it. What's the most weird or unique or expensive thing you've seen inside a unit that you've said, whoa, you got to take that off the wall or, whoa, that's going to be a bear to plastic cake. What uh, have you seen? I mean, everybody's unit is different and we're all into different things. And, and I've seen some fine art. I've, I've seen some other stuff. What, what have you seen that's interesting? There's been a lot of artwork that I asked them to take down and move. And then there's been some really expensive, like, chihuly looking glass sculpture stuff but at the end of the day you know those are things that are bought that you know the monetary value is one thing but then the biggest thing that we stress is you can't put a you can't place a value on that right. piece of artwork that your daughter or granddaughter made for you that's on the wall and if that got right. broken or something or something that your grandparents picked up when they were traveling in europe like 50 years ago or wow. something like that we can't replace that stuff. So as we're doing that walkthrough, I am also looking, I'm not like scoping your unit out and like being super nosy or anything, but I'm looking to make right. sure that if people have got items that it's like, look, that needs to get moved because I don't even want to think about what would right. happen yeah. if it got damaged or something like that. Yep. The, uh, let's see. Yeah. I was, I was in a unit and they had, they had a beautiful, oil painting of their deceased son and it was just gorgeous and it was just like you know what we're not even gonna bother please just take that down store it somewhere and and let's let's not even have a question about we got dust on that or or any kind of thing so but uh obviously valuables things like that put away put away logical things but uh let's let's make sure we protect everything 
Okay, how invasive is it? And I've got unique tile. So one, one thing to think about is you don't need to do plumbing work typically. Now, the first question was built in 1988. Uh, you know, cast iron supposed to last, or galvanized steel, I always call it that. Galvanized is supposed to last 40, 50 years. Some of this plastic stuff, unfortunately, is breaking in 10. And so, but for the most part, these are older buildings. They've been around a while. So people have changed the finishes. They've brought in some custom things like the shower, the shower tile you see here. There is no way we're matching that. And so we just have to work around that. And in this case, we were able to go through the ceiling and then go from the wall on the other side was simply drywall and we didn't even have to touch it, didn't have to do a thing to it. And it just, it worked out great. So you can keep your wonderful looking shower tile. The uh, ceiling demo, here's cutting through the ceiling and you'll notice on these units, we've got two layers of drywall. That's for your fire stop, fire protection system, a one hour rated assembly between units. But you'll notice that, that we have an advanced trick here of, of leaving the first sheet a little longer. And why we do that is when that, that sheet goes back in, we can tape this joint and then we can tape the other joint over it. And we don't, we have what's called a staggered seam. So you don't have one seam that's two sheets thick that'll crack and show, show lines a lot easier. So we actually stagger those seams so you won't, you won't get that crack transmission. But you can see here the sound channel or the, the Z channel it's called, that's for sound deadening. So ways to keep the light up in the, in the uh, entryway, probably be easier to take a big chunk of drywall out, but here we're able to go around it and just leave the light in place. So, okay, concrete slab. What if it is slab on grade and we have to get through that concrete slab? What, what is this scenario and tell us what you did with the resident? So this right here is where we have a building and right outside that window is the swimming pool. It's literally right outside the window. You've got about eight feet of concrete from that window to the edge of the pool. The existing side sewer or the sewer line runs right down the center of that building and then the side sewer starts as soon as it pops out. It originally popped out underneath that window and ran right under the backside of the swimming pool and dropped down to the manhole to the city sewer just to get a geotech engineer on site to look at what we would have to do with shoring at the pool. And there was talk of sheet piling and everything like that. We looked at it and was able to figure out a better way to reroute that sewer line and kind of cut through the corner of a unit and redirected it. Yes, the unit owner had to move out for a couple of weeks. It was a few weeks ultimately, but in that move out process, just the cost for them to move out was less than what it would cost to get a geotech engineer just to tell us what was going to have to be bid. Mm -hmm. Because the pool, the, the level of the pool is like six inches below that windowsill right there. And as you saw from the photo, they're right on the lake edge. So we have all kinds of hydrostatic pressure that wanted to float the pool up and everything. So mm -hmm. we looked at it, evaluated it, talked to the unit owner came up with the plan. And as you can see, we cut out some of his floors and rerun the, rerun the drain line through the corner of his unit, popped out, ran through his patio, and then tapped into the manhole. Yep. Okay. So that, that's something that you can walk through the board with in the sense of 
we're going to have to get in here in one of these units. And so let's start value engineering this or talking about it. And, you know, the board is feeding back to us. Well, that's a really busy family of six. And that would be just insane to disrupt them. This is a single working professional. Uh, they don't, you know, they can live in the other bedroom in this two bedroom unit. Yeah, they can't be in this bedroom. But actually, in this case, what, what Jared was saying is, is the board said, look, it's going to be cheaper to put them up in an Airbnb somewhere for three weeks and, and than it is to even get more consultants and more sheet filing and more stuff. So uh, I guess the guy had a nice Airbnb up in the hills and he enjoyed the mountain and, and uh, was able to work remote. What, uh, and that, that brings up a good question. How many people do you see when they're given a whole bunch of lead time and a whole bunch of you know, communication how many, how, many of the, how many of the residents actually leave? I mean, you, I was shocked by the percentage you were telling me. 25, 25, 30% of them leave. Wow. And it's just, they just say, you know what? Vacation's coming up. I'm just going to take it a little early. We're going to be gone for these two weeks. Or I've got a second home or I've got a friend or I've got a something that I can just go stay in. I'm just getting out of there. And so one of the things we wanted to mention is that a quarter of your population might just, you know what, that's cool. I'll go stay with my buddy. And, you know, here's, here's the keys to my unit and, you know, I'll just get out of there. And so that's, that's actually, when you think about it, you can kind of design your life around it and uh, take off. Uh, here, here's an example. This is out. Is this the lake, lake one? That's I don't see the pool, right there, but yeah. here's what we do outside. You know, we got to bring the spoils outside. Pretty big pile after we're said and done. Uh, but we're protecting yeah. the lawn. All that dirt was inside the unit beneath <laughs> their feet. We cut their concrete slab out. They dug all that out and wheeled it all out there. Yeah. And then put it all back in. And put, put it all in back the in there. Yeah. Pull the concrete. So we can do it. Okay. Here's what we mean by side sewer. So again, your building or your basement or your crawl space, you know, not crawl space, but basement below grade. So here comes your side sewer out to the street. And so here's the big street sewer pipes and the manhole covers in the street or, you know, right next to it. So your, your roof drains are feeding into that. Your house is feeding into that. There's some kind of weird clean out that's it's here. Who knows? But what happens to your side sewer is it gets root intrusion. It gets busted up when the guys are from the city are digging with their backhoes and they accidentally hit it. And that causes back, you know, backflow and your toilet looks like the toilet that we showed you earlier. And so things happen to this side sewer. Um, that's not what we're really talking about today. Today we're talking about interior plumbing and drain, but that's where the drain goes. So that's just a little side view there. Okay, abatement. Give us the give us the lowdown on abatement here. And we we need to move it up because I'm seeing some questions being posted. So here's again on the right side, here's an example of abatement notifications but on the left side take us through that briefly yeah so the abatement this is something we identify right in the front end i talked about this in that initial testing we know this going into the project abatement is the only time when we're doing any plumbing work that the unit owner or resident of the unit has to be out of the unit because right. they are in there they're tenting everything off full on dexter have all the air scrubbers and everything set up they remove the sh the sheetrock that's got asbestos in it um, asbestos in the sheetrock or whatever is not anything to worry about in your unit. There's asbestos and all kinds of stuff. So don't freak out about that. But when they come in, they remove the asbestos. 
you know, all those materials. And then that comp the company that does the abatement, they do, they take air samples and take the air samples in, get them tested to make sure that there is nothing into, there's no contaminants in the air or anything like that. So you leave at eight in the, eight in the morning and you can come home by 5 p.m. that day. Very rarely do we have a unit that's got so much abatement required where they're required, where they need to stay out overnight. We have had a couple where it made more sense to ask somebody to stay out overnight, but that's nothing that's sprung on people last minute or anything like that. That's all reviewed. We capture that right at the beginning of the project and work through that with the with the residents and make sure that they know and it's planned way in advance. So that way it's not, there's no last minute on this. And and this yep. is one of those deals where people usually do plan on, you know, doing a long weekend or something like that. Yep. And so down at the bottom of that is, is just reminders to folks about communication channel flow. So we're going to have a board member that's going to be a communication flow, you know, manager or management company and J2. So, you know, we're, we're saying be courteous, say hello, talk to talk to the workers, but we want our plumbers plumbing and our drywallers drywalling. We don't want, you know, you know, questions and answers and all that stuff. Let let the tradespeople do their work, get in, get out, and you can get it back in your unit faster. Uh, timeline of repairs. Take us through this real fast. Uh, the timeline of repairs. So we talked about stacks earlier. That would be the first floor, second floor, third floor. When we're doing this work, it's done by the stack because those wet walls all line up. The plumbing's all ran vertically. Um, when we do that, it's usually about a month per stack. We have two weeks for doing the plumbing work, for doing the openings and doing the plumbing, and then about two weeks for doing the restoration of the walls. During that time, they're not in your unit for that full two weeks. They do the plumbing in all three units in that two weeks, and they're doing the restoration in that two weeks. So you've got materials that have got a set, cure, all that. So they'll work in a unit, go to the next unit, and do more mud or texture or letting paint dry, things like that. But when this work's all going on, like those summary reports we talked about earlier, those are issued. It's got everything documented. It's got those, those dates are highlighted in there that let you know when we're going to do the plumbing work, when we're doing the re restoration work. So it's and basically then, so, two weeks for the plumbing work and about two weeks for the drywall and paint, but it's not every single day. <laughs> no. Yep. Okay. It's a good, good yeah. day. So benefits of having one contractor, we're, we're kind of alluding to that. And I think one more bullet we'd add there would be a contractor who understands schedules and can stick to a schedule and say, when I mean next Thursday, I mean next Thursday. And so we can really be planning around those 48 hour notices and things like that. But, you know, any contractor can do this uh, with good subcontractors. Here's four trades right there. Uh, what we found is, is finding, you know, maybe a plumber that handles the plumbing portion of it that also has a drywall guy or a paint guy or a crew that they kind of have control over so they can mix and match and, and do what they need to do. Plumbing is really the trade that's driving this, but paint and drywall and texture are really the things that clients are looking at at the end of this isn't quite right. You know, I need this done right. And so that's, that's the benefits of having one contractor handle it all. Okay, so back to that question. I think we've answered uh, pretty much everything in there except for the grounding. In the grounding question, when plumbing used to be uh, galvanized steel, 
there was a way that you could ground your electrical system to the metal plumbing system of the building. And I believe code has changed. And so we're, they're really pushing towards the outside ground uh, grounding rod. It's a copper rod driven six feet into the ground. And so you just kind of have a separation of electrical and plumbing. Now, especially if you're using plastic or, you know, maybe part of the grounding problem is you had a metal system and then over the years, some plastic came in and now we have a discontinuous metal system because it has all these plastic uh, pieces and break, breaks in it. Maybe now it's becoming more of an issue, um, but there's, there's the grounding piece. Uh, nobody wants an assessment. What do we do with people that don't pay for it? Well, same thing if they don't pay for their cable bill or their garbage thing either. Uh, your, your bylaws or your documents have, have the ability to foreclose and you know get them to pay what they need to pay. So top and bottom units done at the same time. Yep, that stack idea. Um, alternatives to a full replacement. There, you know, there is a, there's, there's some kind of patching. It really depends. It's a case by case thing. Or, you know, if you're in there, I called J2 for a supply problem of pressure and brown water, but let's take a look at your drain side as well. Sometimes the drains are just fine and we don't have to do both. But if your wall is already opened up like this, super easy to do both and just be done with it and not have to come back in two years and do the other thing. But we can talk to you about patch or targeted or, or things like that. So questions for, let's see. Oh yeah, the other question. What's the best way to do a system test of the plumbing for each of these buildings in our complex? Well, there's really three ways to, to figure out what's going on. One is a pressure test. Do I have ample pressure at the supply side of things? It's a pressure gauge hooked up to an exterior hose bib. You can even, you can figure out how to hook it to an interior one if you need to. Uh, you'll see if you have acceptable code pressure. Uh, you would you would have less pressure if your pipes were swelling shut and filling filling with junk. Uh, scoping of the drains. Yesterday I was at a project and it was just you know what it sounds like your downspouts are getting blocked by stuff. Uh, we can do the camera down the drain pipe and just see. Sometimes these underground lines get crushed, they get broken, they get roots in them, etc. And we'll see if that's why it's not, if your drains are slow or things aren't working quite right. And then if they're clogged, we can then do a roto-rooter system and clean them out a little bit. But, you know, you want to start planning for that. But the biggest thing is resident survey. How do you know that unit 201 doesn't have cold water in their master bathroom? I mean, just let's, it's time to start doing a survey. And if you see, you know, if you see issues that are starting to ring true, uh, then start 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 doing something about it. So Brooke, Brooke will put simple survey in the chat. You can see what we asked there. Uh, pipe scoping. So we're going to take you back inside a pipe. So this is pipe video. So we've got a video camera on a line. Uh, you run it down and you see the see the bend or the corner. What I want you to look at there is a little hole punched through the blockage. And so that that pipe was blocked. With gunk, here comes the Roto-Rooter's little drill or little rooter. And so what that does is it goes through the blockage, but it relieves the it relieves the drains. Yay, the drains are draining again. Well, they're only going through that little hole. So the rest of this pipe backs up to there. 
and it's half full of water and a little bit gets out and that doesn't take that long to refill again. And, you know, it, it wrote a rear guy, you know, you might want them to really, really root them if they find something, but uh, it may be an indication of, of more rusty pipes. So pipe lining, we touched on real briefly. We'll talk to you why it's not good, good to do inside your unit. Um, you can see the Roto-Rooter guy just has a little drill bit. So this is not what your pipe looks like after Roto-Rooter's done. This is actually a scouring process where it's mechanically scrubbed as well as high pressure water sprayed down and you know it, it really down to the scales of the pipe. And then after they do this lining process, so there's a couple kinds of lining, one is kind of a balloon that goes through and fills up and sticks to the side of the pipe. Another one is, I think they have fluid kinds that kind of coat, coat everything and make a nice smooth coating again. And, you know, they, there's two things that are a problem. One, they, the most warranty we've seen them come with is 10 years. And two, the building code actually says you can't do this inside a building. You can do it outside. So it's useful for like site drainage or civil, you know, kind of commercial type stuff. We can line your pipes. It really only gives you about 10 years. And here's what happens. So I'm going to take you through this. I'm in a pipe again. Here's the video camera. We are underwater. We are, because the pipe is full of water, these white things are things floating in the water. And this flap or fold is actually pipe lining that has come debonded from the pipe and is kind of fluffing around in there that has blocked the pipe. And guess what? It's 10 years and one month old. How, how old was this, Jared? It was, it, it was right it at 10 just, years. It was just after 10 years old. Yeah. Just after 10 years and okay. you know, starting to fail, starting to fail, and then basically a collapse. And that pipe lining had just, now it's, it's totally blocking the pipe. And it's not one blockage, it's the entire pipelining is sloughing off. Mm -hmm. And so it has a place, but unfortunately we can't use it inside uh, units according to the building department, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. okay, garbage disposal are the plumber's best friend. It's kind of funny, 1927 was the invention of the garbage disposal. 1935 was the invention of Roto-Rooter. So the, <laughs> uh, the what, what is the, what's the phrase? Something is the mother of everything. But when you have a problem, you start inventing things. So what, what this was really originally marketed as, we had a social post out there of, you know, here's this 50s housewife in a beautiful dress and an apron dumping her entire stuff into her sink because the big motors in the GE garbage disposal would chew it all up and it would send it away magically. And so what happens is that, gunk or slurry hits that first bend and just goes bleh, sits there and it really waits for water to kind of push it down so every single bend if you remember that that uh, drain system had all those you know turns and corners it's just another place for sludge to sit and just sit in your pipes and cause blockages so don't use these as garbage disposals use your garbage can don't pack the Pack all the junk from peeling potatoes, scoop that out and put it in the garbage can, please. Otherwise, you'll be calling Rotor Root. So another, another part of, uh, and then grease. Grease is the other thing. Hey, I've just cooked a bunch of bacon. Look at this grease, it's liquidy. Great, because it's hot. Now I dump it down the drain and look, it went down the drain. I don't have to worry about it. 
all it's doing is sitting in there with your potato peelings and your thing and just making a slurry of think Vaseline because now cold water has hit the warm grease and now it's just yuck white sludge that you see. And so it just turns your pipes into a sludge. They, they do call that peanut butter. Peanut butter. Plumbers call it peanut butter. I was thinking of blocked arteries or something and then just cholesterol. But mm. yeah. Okay. So fire experience. Fire sprinklers, we didn't talk about a lot. They used to be black iron, but of course they're going to the plastic now as well. These will, we'll see uh, the, the PVC, they're orange, typically orange pipe. And you'll see that up in your attic. And sometimes guys doing insulation will step on them and break them and then guess what? Flood the whole unit. So uh, we're not gonna talk about that. Garbage disposals, there we go. There's another slide, okay. Are you needing some plumbing inspection? Call me, but I'm just going to say, talk to Jerry. <clears throat> so no. the, uh, if you want to get on a free 15 minute call with me, it's, that's what we're here for. Use this link below learn.j2consultants.com slash consultant on call. And so keep it as keep your phone in your back pocket and, you know, schedule a free call with me, use that QR code and uh, we'll get, we'll get a, call going with you and some you know nowadays we're using facetime we're using zoom we're, we're doing things digitally hey does this look right to you nope it doesn't so and we'll have have some suggestions for you okay here we go into the q a and i see we got eight of them and uh let's see so jared are you ready for q a round yes sir ready you ready good okay <laughs> let's do it right. joe asks do black pvc pipes clog up like galvanized pipe Yes, likely. And so black, it's actually black ABS and it's white PVC, yep. but uh, things, so clog up. So I was thinking clogs after on my rant of garbage disposals. Yes, they would clog up with grease, hair, junk. Uh, they do not rust out and close up like galvanized pipe. And I think that's what answer, that's what uh, answers that. So Kari or carry. We don't have plumbing plans. How do you find out plumbing layout to develop a replacement plan? We look for the sinks. So we find the sinks, find the drains. Those are wet walls. We know we have to access them somehow. And so it's, it's, uh, that's, but definitely plans help. But most of the condos we're in don't have plumbing plans. They like don't. Plans. Yeah. We look at where the supplies coming in from either parking lot or street. We can see what side of the building that your main supply feeds into. So from there, we can develop a plan to come across the building and mm. capture all the units on our way across. Or if it goes in, if we get lucky and you have a crawl space, it pops right in through your crawl space and we can pick up that supply line as soon as it gets in your crawl space. Yep. Okay. What is next question from anonymous? What is the association's liability if we don't get the motion passed to replace plumbing that has caused repeated active leaks? Ooh, that's 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 a lawyer thing. Remember, we're not giving legal legal advice, but from what I understand, the association and, and again, ninety nine percent of these bylaws and governing documents I have read. I haven't read yours, but start there says the association shall maintain. Doesn't say when we have money, when we'll get around to it. Uh, da, 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 da. So you have a duty, you shall maintain. So how do we do that? We pass a motion for a bigger budget or you know, a special assessment, et cetera. If that motion is voted down by the people, 
well, I think the board is kind of off the hook, but they, they've, they've done what the board is supposed to do. We are trying to do this. We're going to get a motion. You as the association have voted it down. I think that's how the democracy works there, but definitely reach out to your HOA attorney and don't take my word for it. But the, that's, the issue that I've been getting hit with though, Jens, is my understanding is, all, is the, the properties that have had frequent water losses, it's their insurance company, their insurance deductible right. that used to be $10,000, in some cases creeping up $75,000, $100,000 for yeah. a water loss. Yeah. So the insurer says, wait a minute, how many plumbing losses have you had this year? We notice all your plumbing is failing and breaking and dripping. And uh, what Jared's saying, it used to cost $10,000 for an annual policy. Now it's going to cost $100,000 because the insurance company's tired of paying out these claims. And so, and then the insurance company can also walk away too. Until you get this fixed, we're not going to reinsure you. And so those are, those are things you need to think about. Uh, next question from Anonymous. What if my kids are in the unit? Should I worry about them playing with the exposed pipes or messing with the open areas? Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely something you should think about. Um, and that's something you can talk to the, you know, the job foreman about and, and Jared about, hey, we've got a special situation. My cats will go in there and run that, around. That um, unit information sheet, we get that from the unit information sheet. And then when we do the walk, the summary walkthroughs, the initial walkthroughs, we gather that information. And if you've got kids in the unit, or Jen's just said pets, they plasticate the opened areas every night and seal those up. I mean, yep. yeah, somebody can come in and peel the plastic back and get in there, but we have not had any problems with cats disappearing yet or kids getting into anything and having any issues right. or anything like that. But that's that's something where you talk about it right up front. Yeah. You say, hey, here's my situation. Here's here's I need I need help navigating this and that's that's what we're there for so becky how about people with indoor pets have you found an ideal way for the pets to be in the unit during work and provide peace of mind for their owner um that the bedroom that isn't that isn't being accessed uh kennels jared how else do you deal with, with it's pets? it's usually in the bedroom um most of the times though and this stresses me out because i don't ever want a pet to run out an open door but they end up being very friendly pets so mm -hmm. then they just kind of you know i'll walk into units and there's the dog or the cat just kind of hanging out and watching the guys do their work and that freaks me out because <laughs> there's a potential for them running out the door or whatever but there's there's a lot of unique situations we've had where units that weren't being affected yet or that were already completed where neighbors have kind of I'll sit your pet and you sit my pet type thing. And mm, we'll trade. You know, people, yeah, yeah, people, people have come up with a lot of crafty ideas and everything, but that's a good you know, idea. It's it's usually it's usually if there's really a concern, it's just keep them in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh Coy has a question. Hi, Coy. My reserve study has recommended an engineer review of the building pipes, but we have no known issues right now. Do we still need to get the study done? Our pipes were replaced in 2013 or 2013 also. Um, that, that would go back to that third, remember the third kind of question, talk to the residents and if the residents are driving this, uh, if you have no known issues and your water looks great and it was, and they were just replaced seven years ago, or no, I guess nine years ago, I wouldn't worry about it. Um, you've already kind of been through this recently. And so that's where you, you go back to your reserve 
study specialist and say, hey, I noticed this thing. I want to get it documented. Do we have to do this? Or is this kind of boilerplate language here because of how old we are? Uh, did you know that this was done in 2013? And I bet you they would say, oh, yeah, thanks for the info. I'll take it off. Just a standard standard response there. So yeah, good question. Becky, is it necessary to have the original blueprints? It's super helpful um, to get that floor plan layout, to get you know other some ele you know some elevations of the building to see. But I'd say fifty percent, seventy percent of the time we don't have plans. Is that true, Jared? Yeah, more than like a lot of times we don't have the plans. And if we do have the plans, like Jen's just said. We're just using the plan to get really the floor plan because plans, even as built, are not always perfect or anything like that. So mm -hmm. we can come in, we look at the wet walls, we identify where everything's at. Really, the plan, the only helpful thing with the plan is where the supply lines may be coming into the building occasionally, but mm -hmm. we, we and can function without. On a couple of these, we've actually done interior as built. So we didn't yeah. have plans. We've done quick measurements and sketches. So now you have at least a rough as it's called an as built and that'll help you in the future for other things. And so, you know, you're paying us to do some as built, but that's uh, that's extra stuff, but it's nice to have. Um, again, think older building 40 years old needs the work done is, is one of the prime candidates, but newer building that had junky developer grade stuff, you know, break is the other one. But in the older built, you know, the older buildings we've got, we've got remodeling that's happened. We've got walls that were knocked down. We've got, you know, it was a three bedroom. Now it's two bedroom with two giant bathrooms or so we'll also run into what's called resident work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's correct. And other times it's dog and truck construction or Craigslist people that really didn't do a good job. They didn't pull permits. They didn't install it per code. And so, uh, you know, we've seen lots of those and it's like, what a mess. You know, we open up the wall and it's like, oh, gee whiz. So getting into each unit is just key just to just to document all this stuff and see the level of finishes and 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 see that stuff. So, okay, do you obtain permits if necessary? Absolutely. Yes. This is a plumbing, drinking water, health condition. So we absolutely want the building department to oversee it, bless it. Make sure it's done right by licensed professionals. It's not, you know, my brother's a plumber and he can he can stick this stuff together. It's really easy. I watched a YouTube video. No, don't do that. And so it's, we will get the permits or we'll work with the contractor to get the permits. Bottom line, at the end of this job, you will have complete permits, sign-offs, all the documents so that you can go back like, like Coy, say, here's the 2013 information. It's all on a, you know, in 2013, we were still using, well, maybe maybe we've moved on from DVDs. You might have a DVD of information, but you'll have a thumb drive or a link, hopefully Dropbox or OneDrive still around in nine years. But anyway, you get the idea. You'll have, you'll have full documentation. Uh, anonymous attendee, what kind of warranties are provided with these newer plumbing repipe projects? Jared, what, what kind of warranty are we looking at? Um, the warranty, they, they vary. Um, some contractors offer up to a 12-year warranty on the project, wow. but then the warranties boil down to a lot of times it's the materials. Mm -hmm. You know, the different manufacturers have got different, you know, warranties on different materials and everything like that. So that all plays into that issue. Great. Okay. 
Uh, yep, we got, we got uh, yeah, great questions. Kay, Becky, Coy, Anonymous, Joe, Kari, Carrie. My oldest daughter is spelled the same way, and we pronounce it Kari, but I've seen other ways that pronounce it Carrie. So uh, hopefully that was helpful. That's the q and I'm assuming Brooke is running the chat. Great. Thank you. And we're on to our, let's see, giveaway, I think. So Jared, let's see. Here's the giveaway. Jared's going to pick the number today. Like I said, full-size candy bars, bunch of suckers, scary Skeletor, skeleton thing and toothpaste and toothbrush to keep people honest we want to help you help you know enjoy your sugar but have a healthy time so pick a number uh for the live contestants today between one and 23 let's go we'll go with eight because it's an even number and i'm ocd like that the volume's always got to be at an even number and <laughs> and it's the eighth webinar so <laughs> The two rows of Oreo packaged cookies, and if and if one row gets offset from the other, you have to eat the cookie so they're even. The both rows are lined up. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so you want this? You want this obsessive guy in charge of your plumbing projects? He'll do a good job. Okay, all right. Did you know we have free resources for boards and managers? Go to that website. Just go to our website, jgconsultants.com, and you'll find your way to free resources. Three over 300 videos in our in our educational program library, and you've signed up for this webinar, so you get past episodes. If this has been valuable to all to anyone, please do us a favor. We would really appreciate it. Share it with others and help spread this news. We want to help people run their buildings better. Uh, let's see that special offer. Here's the thing: in today's world, text manager ten to 855-593-3752 or it uh, at your sign-up page and go to this managers only. I'm not a manager, but you can get the discount code there and send it to your manager. So if you want a promo, it ends tonight. And then webinar recordings will be sent out this week. Keep an eye on your inbox and stay tuned for next month. We do this the fourth Tuesday of every month. Stay tuned for next month. We're going to be talking about an annual calendar to help you prepare for 2023 and take you through, you know, November is a great time to do this. March is a great time to do that and, and talk about that. And then really the secret is, is Santa is coming for your December one. So stay tuned for that one too. Jared, anything else for the fine people? Hey, this is, this has been really awesome. Um, thank you guys for joining me on my first webinar. Hopefully we've been able to help you. If not, please reach out and let me know of any questions that you have. And I love to talk. I know I haven't talked a lot on this webinar, but I'm a talker. <laughs> yep. All right. Thank you, Jared. And thanks everybody for attending. Have a, have a great rest of the day. Hey, thank you everybody.